Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Welcome to GradCast, the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University, where we highlight the research of our university's graduate students every other Tuesday at 6 p.m. We are your hosts, Ani and Susan Anthony, and today we are joined by Yimin Chen, Hello, hello. A senior PhD student of library and information science who is interested in the internet culture and online communication, specifically the phenomenon of trolling. Now, Yimin, I'm sure you've read The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like three times in high school. There you go. Well, you know, for the audience out there, the, the, no, uh, the, this, the series of novels, they borrow elements from Scandinavian mythology. And one of the things that I learned is that the Scandinavian folklore of the 17th century describes a troll as an ugly cave-dwelling creature, either a giant or a dwarf. But Yemen, you deal with a very real 21st century meaning of this word and implications. Tell us more about it. You know, actually... Um According to some people, at the very least, uh, that description is still pretty accurate. Um, I deal with internet trolls, and um, if you're not familiar with this, a lot of... Well, okay, basically, an internet troll is someone who spends perhaps too much time online, but generally, um, what their uh, purpose is, is to make other people angry because it's funny. So this sort of um, popular image of a troll is kind of um, an aging loser who lives in his mother's basement, kind of shaking his fist at the world and just being belligerent and angry. So in in many ways, uh, that traditional image of a troll kind of carries over. And and, and so how did this whole community start? What's the... Uh, what's the history uh, of of trolling? Yeah, so I mean, it doesn't quite come from um, like Scandinavian folklore. It, it fits <laughs> in many ways, yeah. right? But um, this modern meaning of the word, uh, as far as we can tell, comes from like a fishing term. So trolling is a type of um, Fishing with you know like a rod and line and everything. Right, right, it's right. Uh, it's a type of long line fishing where you basically set some bait, throw your hook out, and wait for something to take the bait. Okay, which basically is what um, online trolls do. They often say something stupid, something inflammatory, something that other people might react to, and then they sit back, wait for other people to overreact, and then kind of laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but. Trolling is kind of slightly more complex than that. It comes from the early, sort of early days of computer science, of internet history, and from a lot of the countercultural um, sort of subcultures from the 60s, 70s, and so on. So early on in computing history, like when the internet was first uh, becoming like a thing. Yeah. It was largely confined to academic uh, institutions, universities, colleges, so on, places with computer science programs, places that could really afford to have computing machinery. Right. And you know, a lot of the early internet was really just um, 
government, military installations, uh, and universities, students, professors talking to each other. Right. So you have essentially a huge population of geeks and nerds mm-hmm. who are really, really into a lot of technical things, who are probably you know, way too smart for their own good and kind of quirky, mm-hmm. right? And so they created a lot of what has become kind of internet culture. Right. Yeah, so they would have their own practical jokes. They would talk about, you know, geeky, nerdy things like movies, comic books, Lord of the Rings, and right. so on. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a really freeing, a really interesting space, right, for a lot of people that may not be, you know, terribly great at going to the bar and talking to people. Right. Yeah? Um, so every September, though, yeah. At universities, um, you get a new intake of freshmen, right? And for a lot of these universities in the, say, 60s, 70s, and so on, mm-hmm. they would give these incoming freshmen access to the internet, the university network, and the network that connects all other universities. Yeah. Things like bulletin boards, you know, uh, news groups, so on. And what would happen is every September there'd be this huge influx of newbies, of people who had no idea what they were doing online, okay. who had no idea of what... Uh, well, basically, netiquette right. was at the time. Right. So all the people who had been there, you know, for a while, all the oldies, you know, if you will, would dread every September because it would just be all their, you know, neat, fun, cool spaces where they talk to each other would be right. full of just, you know, babies who had no idea what they're doing, who were just trashing the place, who were had no idea how to behave, what was acceptable, right. and it was tedious, boring, and it was really annoying. So uh, this would be every September. However, as Internet um, access became more popularized, things like America Online and so on, uh, in the 90s or so, yeah. more and more people from outside, even this uh, university group, yeah. got access to the Internet. And, you know, like an incoming uh, class of freshmen is bad, but an incoming group of everyone, including your parents, you know, your peers who weren't in computer science, yeah. their kids, so on, that would, be, would bring wave upon wave of newbies, and it would just never end. Mm-hmm. So they call this, basically, the September that never ended. This was around the mid-90s. Okay, okay. And so this was a kind of shift in the Internet environment very early internet environment from something that was um, predominantly sort of academic and government and that sort of thing and it became popular okay right so in a way it's like you know internet hipsterism people were there before it was cool and now you know your mom is on there trading recipes with your grandmother see 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 that that to me is interesting because you know um when when reading about the history and from what you've told me it's a, a trolling at one point you know you talk about trolling and you're thinking you know of harmless pranks and subversive humor right yeah. but then you have and i'm sure you know you'll talk about this you have this extreme sort of dark side of trolling where it, it crosses a line and becomes harmful because we associate this word um, with, for example, suicides and online abuse and cyber bullying, which are, you know, these extreme cases of uh, trolling. So, you know, how does, what, what happens there? Mm-hmm. What goes on? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you can see um, 
some aspects of trolling as a reaction to this September that never ended, mm-hmm. right? So if a bunch of people who had no idea what they're doing come into your space, your you know your hood, yeah, right. A lot of people, their first reaction is to sort of push back to. Maybe poke some fun at them yeah. to make to make sarcastic remarks to put them down to, you know, show them that this is this is your world okay. and you guys are kind of intruders. You guys are new. You should be listening to me and just being quiet and paying attention. Right, right. So a lot of these pranks, a lot of these gags, um, prey upon people who are naive, who are not familiar with uh, computer technology, for example, right. or with how things work in online communities. Right. And one way, it's like a hazing process, perhaps. Right? Yes? So, uh, do trolls in some way think that it's it's a form of justice? Like, they're they're defending their turf? Uh, I I, kind of... You see some trolling usually goes against uh, celebrities or public figures or even corporations that are online, say, Twitter or on uh, Facebook, and go against uh, these companies as sort of like to get back at them um, do you think there's a sense of justice in a lot of people a lot of trolls I'm not sure if I would use justice to um, uh, to describe this maybe a sense of righteousness um, because like a lot of internet culture is influenced by countercultures from earlier on in the uh, in the 20th late 20th century mm-hmm. so these are like you say, hippies, punks, so on, the people who resist authority, mm-hmm. who resist institutions, corporations, governments, so on, right? And maybe not necessarily for justice, but they see things like uh, corporations coming in, celebrities who uh, really have no idea what they're doing, but are just there to promote themselves as intruders in what was uh, you know, sort of a sacred nerd space. So with it, they're kind of doing it in, with the sense that they are in the right. And that, in that way, it's, it's a just act that they're doing. Yeah, if you look at some of the research where people have gone and interviewed trolls, they um, see what they're doing as sort of proper. Um, there is this sort of mentality that the Internet, well, this sort of ironic mentality that the Internet is, quote-unquote, serious business. Right. If you buy into this, you are basically a fool, Right, so in essence, according to at least some trolls, what they're doing is enforcing this idea that this internet should not be serious business. Okay. That it is so antithetical to serious business that if you take anything seriously on the internet, you make yourself a target for um, you know insults or scorn, sarcasm, that sort of thing, um, which you know kind of le- leads kind of a slippery slope into a lot of the more problematic, you know, actions and behaviors and things that you mentioned earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my ask, Yemen, because, like, uh, you were talking a little bit earlier about sacred nerd space. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing that comes up in, like, the last couple of years is that sacred space is very male. Oh, absolutely. And that sacred nerd space uh, has recently been, like, um, taken up by inclusivity and including people of... Uh, the female persuasion, if you will, and it has led to like the, the perfect case in point would be um, what happened with Zoe Quinn or Anita Sarkeesian in like the collective Gamergate meltdown. Mm-hmm. Could you explain like um, what's going on there from like the perspective of your analysis? Well, I haven't actually analyzed Gamergate in uh, very much detail, 
And I sort of only know a bit about that. But again, it makes sense to me, at least that it's a, um, it springs from this idea that this is, you know, in many ways, maybe not an old boys club, but like a young boys club. Because a lot of these behaviors, a lot of this mentality is, you know, frankly, kind of juvenile, kind of childish. Um, a lot of it revolves around crude jokes. And like a lot of um, the female targets of Gamergate, uh, as far as I know, are people interested in social justice, in feminism, in uh, a lot of issues that, again, um, would fall under serious business. Well, actually, maybe we should take a step back and just describe to people what Gamergate was. And from what I heard, they were actual programmers. Um, it started off, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Tristan, or they're computer program, uh, game programmers who stepped up and said, I'm a woman and I'm uh, Journalists. On. They were journalists. Like, okay. like reviewers and stuff like that. Reviewers of, yeah. of computer games, right? Uh, one, like, it's a mix of like uh, women who are either in the gaming industry as developers or um, more common and more targeted by Gamergate were uh, women who were involved in like the criticism and reviews. Okay. But with the social justice lens, yes. Okay, social justice lens. And also people who, I mean, can't you just say, I mean, we're all behind computers. Aren't, isn't the internet supposed to be a place where we can all be equal? And here's a space, here's also a chance where being female comes out and they get targeted in a lot of ways and targeted very violently. I mean, these are not just harmless, righteous uh, pranks and uh, what, what did you say? Um, um, teasing and poking fun. It, this is, it's quite, it became quite serious. So. Right. I think um, one of the things you mentioned there is about um, people's identities, especially identities as female. Um, one of Again, sort of the maybe fundamental rules, you know, quote unquote, of the internet is that it is an anonymous place, that it doesn't matter really who you are. That's part of the sort of ethos, the sort of um, the leveling of the playing field online versus offline. And one of the things I think people, um, sort of the antagonists of gamers, uh, Gamergate, was reacting to was. Um, the personalities a, a lot of people bring into uh, their online presence. So people who were explicitly sort of identifiably female who put themselves out there, who maybe also have put too much personal information out there, um, get targeted because they are easy targets, because they're there. And Definitely, the gendered part of it is a tricky sort of aspect of it. I'm actually not really sure how, what to think about that. Well, it, do you find that there's actually there's more trolling against women? I know that for me, one one of the things I've done that uh, has made me a lot happier is I never read comments on the bottom of articles because I read a lot of feminism articles and um, I never read the comments because. They're quite hateful and quite shocking, actually. Do you think that the trolling is, you say it was against the noobs back in the, the September forever, but, yep. I mean, no one's really a noob anymore. I mean, we people were born with iPhones in their hands, so do you think it's trolling is targeted more towards certain demographics? 
Well, yeah, I mean, in a way, that sort of idea has kind of lost its way. They are, I mean, if the majority are noobs now, then really, can you really call them noobs, right? They're their own sort of mainstream. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to say just a second ago. Well, like, Gimmin, maybe, uh, maybe like to frame it, um, how would you, through your like study of internet culture, parse like the, um, parse like what you're considering trolling from just hate on the internet? Okay, so um, what part of my actual thesis project is, is to look at um, how trolling is described, represented in different groups. So if you want to boil it down, I, I, what I'm interested in is what do people talk about when they talk about trolling, right? Because in general, depending on who you ask, people talk about very, very different things, right? So um, in terms of women, gender, and so on, um, what part, the first part of my project is looking at how trolling is portrayed in um, the mainstream media. And I'm doing this as a way of getting... Uh, a sense of what um, the mainstream population thinks about trolling, right? Because a lot of people only spend some time online. They may not have had personal um, experience with trolling, and they hear about it through things like um, TV news reports, through newspapers, through magazines, and what journalists and other people talk about when they talk about trolling. Um, So what I've done is looked at the last about 11 years or so of uh, reporting in the English sort of print lit- uh, news. And so I have a sampling of news reports from 2005 up until 2015. Oh, sorry, 2014? Ah, oh, the math. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, about a decade-ish. Right. And what I'm looking for there is what these articles identify as trolling behaviors. Uh, uh, you mean I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll uh, interrupt you there. That, that, that's a really interesting point that you bring up. So when you talk about collecting these news reports, you know, for the past decade, um, do you see a sort of a reporting bias in how trolling uh, incidents of trolling are reported all over the world and uh, sort of is it correlated with different geographies and sort of which parts of the world is it more prevalent? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the majority of my sample comes from um, North America, okay. United States and Canada yeah. um, and essentially the former British Empire. Okay. Right. So the UK has uh, a lot of reporting thing. There's some in Australia, a couple from New Zealand, and uh, even a few from India. Okay, actually. Um, so when I'm looking at these articles, uh, again, I, I said I'm looking at who gets identified as trolls. Right. What sorts of behaviors and activities are uh, labeled trolling or right. associated with trolling, yeah. and who the targets of these behaviors are, and you know. When I look at the entire um, sort of corpus, what comes out is that trolls uh, in the news, at least, are presented as overwhelmingly male. Right. Um, news is often very interested in ideas of anonymity. Right. So you, they're male, but you don't know who they are. Right. Um, and one of the most common terms to describe them is bully. Okay. 
And so what they do is they provoke, they harass, they abuse, they insult uh, targets which were predominantly women. And very often celebrities or other people in like the public eye, which make sort of obvious targets. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to your other question, I think that part of this has to do with, you know, ideas of what is newsworthy. Right. Right. So when you look at a newspaper, when you listen to reports on the radio or on TV, there are very rarely reports about how, you know, teenagers in Toronto made this new meme. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And they're sharing around laughing and it's a joke. Right. Right. What they are interested in is things like a female celebrity from, say, X Factor in the UK um, being insulted over Twitter. Right. Because a lot of, you know, often men don't like her attitude. Right. Or just are angry and call her ugly or, you know, all sorts of terrible names. Right? So I feel like there might be a kind of newsworthy bias. Okay. Or, you know, the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Right, right, right. So things like scandals, the things that are maybe shocking or out of the everyday get preferential, um, you know, space in newspapers and on TV, online, and so on. So that's my analysis of what, you know, gets reported. What I'm doing as a second part of my project is to sort of contrast this with more personal experiences that people have had um, themselves online. So one of my... um, sort of maybe pet hypotheses, is that a lot of these journalists, a lot of people who are producing this reporting, aren't terribly personally familiar with the online environment, the online world. They don't participate in online communities. They don't sort of, you know, post to online forums and so on. They don't have much of a history or context of what goes on here. So they're looking uh, at it from an outsider perspective. And sometimes... You know, say, if me and my brother, uh, because we know each other very well, we sometimes joke in ways that um, even my mother might find offensive. Right. And, uh, you know, much less to say someone who doesn't know either of us. The thing with online, you know, communication is, is that it's often permanent and it's often, you know, just open for anyone to see. Yeah, Yeah. public, right? So I could be having the same sort of conversation I'd be having with my brother, we would each take it as a joke. Right. But from, say, you or Susan or Tristan, if you came across our conversation and just that little snippet of it, we might seem like terrible people to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That might be true, but, you know. Is there then some sort of sense of um, obligation to stay a little more civil online if, if it is permanent in public? Maybe that's me because I'm just I'm just a bit older, but I always found that you know you only say things online that you want to have permanence and public too. Like you want to present yourself in a way that you know you you say things differently in the privacy of your own conversations with somebody. But if you're going to post it publicly, maybe you, you, you tone it back a bit. But maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think part of it. You know, it goes back to the, the fact that the internet is a huge place, right? It's almost like inconceivably large. And a lot of communities, a lot of groups, a lot of websites 
where you know trolling happens, where there is this implicit understanding that nothing is serious, that you know everyone is just acting out because they can online, are completely out of the public eye. You would have to try to find these places. The problem is there's a lot of sort of gray areas, though. Like um, 4chan is probably the most famous um, right. sort of sewer drainage ditch, <laughs> like trash heap right. on the internet. Um, it's a forum, right. uh, you know, conceived of in sort of mid 2000s, where a lot of you know predominantly young men go to just have no filter, right? To to just do whatever they sort of want, and it's anonymous and so on. Things happen there. But only rarely does that bleed out into sort of the, the larger Internet. And I think that's where a lot of the problems arise. So, uh, so, so you know, you know we, we're almost wrapping up, Yamin. So with, with, with all this research, right, what do you, what do you hope to, to, tell, uh, to tell the audience? And what are your final words with, with this community and this, this subculture? Yeah, well, I, I'd like to address something that, you know, Susan mentioned. Yeah. That on the one hand, I would like trolls, perhaps, to maybe have a greater understanding or appreciation that things they do on, say, 4chan may not be appropriate for other places online. Yeah. At the same time, though, I feel like it, it might be better if people adopt at least to some extent this idea that the internet is not necessarily serious business. So what goes on online is not the same thing as what happens face-to-face. Okay. It's a different environment. It's a different way of communication. And not to take things perhaps so personally, to maybe recognize some jokes when they are jokes, and just let it go sometimes. Okay. Well, Yemin, thanks so much for 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 telling, talking to us about your work. I certainly learned a lot of things about trolling and the online communities that I would have never known or even read about otherwise. And to all the folks out there, um, have a wonderful Tuesday evening. Stay warm and enjoy yourselves. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.